Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Moth dates a podium in Dubai. You know, 24 hours is just such a long time of race. The enforcer says it might not be over. And we ask, when will women be at the wheel again in the main game? It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. This week, the V8 Insiders continues its special program series today and asks the question, when will we see another female driver in the main game? That comes up after the news. For Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products, check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. James Courtney has confirmed this week that he'll be ready for the 2014 season as the doctors have given him the green light to return to full training following the broken leg suffered at Phillip Island last year. Triple Eight has announced their engineering changes with Mark Dutton, Jamie Winkup, successful engineer, moving into the race team manager role. That means that Jamie Winkup will be engineered next year by David Kayushi. Craig Lowndes' engineer Jeremy Moore has also been promoted to chief designer for the Holden team, but will continue as race engineer for Craig Lowndes. He's now in his seventh consecutive season. And it's interesting that both Dutton and Moore have been with the team for its entire 10 years. Ludo Lacroix, he will remain in his, in his role as technical director. The team has also announced that Caltex Australia will be upping their prominence in Triple Eight Race Engineering. James Moffat has taken third place in the SP2 class at the Dubai 24-hour last weekend. The Norton Nissan driver making the most of his first sports car opportunity with the factory team. Certainly a different experience for me and... um... Doing a 24-hour race is something that uh, I've definitely wanted to do for quite a long time now. So to finally get the chance to uh, to do one was fantastic. But uh, I've got to say, for me, coming from V8 Supercars, as we know, is is very competitive. And you know, to consider that we uh, finished third in our class, um, but we were something like I think 70 or 80 laps down on the, on the class leader. So I think we only did about. 20 hours of the actual 24-hour race. With uh, we, we had a lot of problems throughout throughout the evening, but the team did a great job to um, to keep the car going and, and get it across the line at the end of the race. But uh, I must admit, it was a little bit of a, a weird feeling standing up on the podium um, in those circumstances. Moffat joined former Formula One driver Corinne Chanderhook. Ashley Oldfield and World Endurance Champion driver Tor Graves in the car. The class was won by the lead Nissan driven by Lutus Ordinez, who of course tested in the uh, Norton Hornet last year. Miguel Fisia 
Florin Strauss, Nick McMillan, and Sancisle Asinov. All those drivers coming out of the uh, GT Academy, which Nissan has been running for a few years now. Former Formula One engineer John Russell will not be lost to V8 supercars as he'll be joining Eccleston Motorsport on race weekends. Russell, who guided Andrew Thompson to the 2011 Dunlop Series Championship with Triple Eight, was going to be at a loose end this year after Triple Eight decided to not contest the series. But Eccleston Motorsport campaigning three ex Triple Eight V Holden Commodores was seen as the perfect opportunity for John Russell to keep his hand in. Eggleston Motorsport has also signed Gary Jacobson. Meanwhile, in other Dunlop news, Ash Walsh has had a new deal penned with Matt Stone Racing for 2014. Russell Ingall could become the Johnny Farnham of Australian motorsport as the veteran driver who last year competed in his last stand tour continues to discuss opportunities with other teams. Most expect Ingle to be an endurance driver, but with Volvo, Lucas Dumbrell Racing and Brad Jones Racing yet to announce their final driver lineups, there's still some seats available. And if the enforcer can bring some money to the deal, then some of the cash-strapped team owners could give him another year. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com. After the break, we continue our special roundtable with the women of Australian motorsport. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders and joining us to discuss, well, an interesting question. It's been a question that's been raging for some time is when will a female driver become a permanent or once again become a permanent fixture on the V8 supercar grid? And joining us to discuss it, Betty Clemenko, the owner of Erebus Motorsport, Philip Iguana, Leanne Tander, who has had a number of drives in the top level of uh, Australian motorsport, but... Uh, Unfortunately, you weren't able to crack it as a full-time driver. And Caitlin Wood, a young driver who uh, is certainly on her way up in Australian motorsport. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. I guess I don't know whether I should go to Betty first or to (laughs) Leanne first, but maybe to Leanne first. Your experiences, you've, you've won so many races in different championships, you have had opportunities to move up to the top level of motorsport. How did you find trying to break through the, the glass ceiling, as it were? Um, look, like anybody trying to get into the V8 supercars, it's difficult. You've got thousands of kids out there, male and female, all vying for what's probably about... There's probably 15 to 20 genuine paid drives out there, and then the other guys obviously bring their own sponsorship and things like that to get themselves in. So there's not many opportunities at all. So it's going to be tough. Um, As a girl, my hurdles may have been different, 
to what the boys faced, but I think anyone trying to get there does face a certain number of hurdles. And that's the critical thing. We're not saying it's easy for a guy to get there. It's just easier, Philippa, for them than a, than a woman. Do I remember hosting a dinner, actually, with Garth and Leanne when I was at Auto Action and we had Christine Gibson and Freddie Gibson there. And we discussed the exact same thing back in 2008. And I, I said... I posed the question, I was like, is it easier for girls now to get through because people are watching more, the spotlight's more on the women? And Garth actually stopped me and said, well, is it really? It's, it's the same for everybody. Everyone's got all the hurdles. It's still difficult. It was difficult for Christine Gibson back in the 70s. It was difficult for Leanne in the last, you know, last decade or so. Um, it's, it comes down to the girl. And for, I think for someone to make V8 supercars... Uh, as a full-time drive, they've got to be in go-karts now at five, six years of age, and they've got to keep going. And that's one of the issues that we find talking to all sorts of um, women in the sport is that they get to the the end of school and they've been doing karting, you know, while they've as as a hobby as a female, and then there's too many hurdles and they give up. So I think we need to look at ways to promote those girls that are currently in karting and encourage them and, and find and and promote new pathways, but everyone's always going to have the, the difficulties. It'll just end up coming down to the drive that the female has to get there. I know Caitlin definitely wants to get to V8 supercars and nothing's going to stop her, but it's it's a tough road, but I think if you don't go through the pain, then um, it's it's not going to be a sweet victory once you get there. You know, if, if You've got to go through those hard times to make you who you are, because when you get to V8 supercars, it's going to escalate even further. There's going to be even more hurdles, whether it's commercial or from the other male drivers, or from team owners, so you just have to have your wits about you and just never give up. Mm. Betty, I guess the question I have to ask is, is the pressure on you being the only female owner going to make more onerous that you should be the one trying to get a female driver into your car? Well, you just actually nailed it on the head. You said to me that I'm the only female owner. No, I am a V8 team owner Mm. who happens to be a female. Um. And unfortunately, when you get to what is classified as the pinnacle of Australian sport, it's all about the business. And I'm just saying this as an owner and as an onlooker, it is about which driver can make you money, which driver is going to bring the sponsors, which driver is going to have the most fans. I I think the the juniors girls coming up now um, have a chance, a better chance, because... You look at every driver on the on the field now, they have huge female fan base. That doesn't say that a, a female will have a huge male base. We had this conversation the other night. When males follow a female driver, does that make them stalkers? You know, it's you we you have to think about it. Like there's a lot of women who let's look at Craig Lowndes, there's a lot of women who follow him. But we just laugh and say, Oh yes, that's Craig's little fan club. Some of them are cougarish, some of them are young, and we just look at them as fans. But when you're a woman and you're driving, how will the world look at it? And when you're in a business and you want, you need the, the sponsors to bring in millions and millions of dollars to, to run your team, it's about, it is about the money. It is about who can bring in what and who is the best driver and who's going to get you to the pointy end, whether they're male or female. And I think... Not so much me, because I'd have more of a leaning towards taking in a female, but I think a male-dominated team 
would have a hard time bringing a female in because they they wouldn't know what to do. They have to be taught what to do. Everything is different, you know. When even when they're getting buckled in the seat, is it okay to put my hand there to pull the to pull something up or, or, or move it across? Or I think men have become so scared of that. In, not even intimacy, but the intimacy uh, engineer would, or a mechanic will have with their driver. You know, do we allow it, or do, is there a line they're going to cross? Do they have to worry about it all the time? And this is something that I've discussed with the guys in my team. Like, do we just say if we get a female driver, she's a person, there are no lines to cross. It, you know, if you have to put your hand between a man to pull up uh, uh, a, a seatbelt, then you have to do it to a woman too. And it's something that, that the crews need to be taught as well as the owners of the teams. Mm. Leanne, mm. You, you've been in that situation where you've seen drivers through all the other divisions that you've raced against, you've beaten, they've managed to go through. How does that frustration level go when you know this guy isn't, you know, isn't half as good as I am, yet he's getting this opportunity that I haven't been able to obtain? Look, it used to um, bother me a lot, I guess, especially when I was at that point that I was really feeling like I was bashing my head against a brick wall. Um, but I guess it, it's the same with everything. You know, you need a little bit of luck to be on your side. I mean, there's, like I said before, there's so many great drivers out there and only a handful are going to get through. And even Garth, you know, people will email him saying, I remember this race in whatever and I beat you. So those guys are probably sitting at home thinking they should be driving for HRT because they beat Garth at a go-kart race in 1989. And, you know, good luck to them. But I guess there's no point being, you know, bitter about it. It's just one of those things. And... Um, I have had my opportunities. One of the, I guess, my first opportunity into the V8 supercar world was with um, Gary Rogers back in 2001 in uh, the development series. And I think with hindsight, I can look back and, and see now what happened, and that was that I moved up too soon. I was um, 20, and although, yet we've got Scott McLaughlin out there doing a great job at 19, I'd only started racing at 13. So I'd only been racing for like six years or something by the time I stepped into the development series. I didn't have enough experience. I didn't then I wasn't then able to have enough time in the car to do what I needed to do in that one year. We had five races. Um, and I, I the thing that frustrates me now more than anything is that I see the same pattern happening with other girls now. People spot a talented female driver and they say, right, I'm going to make money out of this girl because she's talented, she's got, she's got the goods, she's got the capability of do, like racing up there and winning. So they grab her really, really early. They throw her into a category that she's not ready for, that she needs, hasn't got the, the background and the, the race craft and just the, just the experience that you get just from years and years of driving. They drag her up. She flails around for a year or two. She runs out of confidence. Her family runs out of money. The sponsors run out of interest backing somebody who's not going forward and ultimately she gets spat out and sadly it's very hard for her to come back and that's exactly what happened to me I got spat out at the end I tried again in 2002 on my own we didn't quite have the know-how to do it so I was ready to give up racing at the end of 2002 and it was only after a few years back at state level learning to enjoy the sport again that I I personally and with the support of my husband and my father and my family, made the 
decision to really come back and have another go. But I guess not everybody has that that strength of character or the drive or the the family support that I had. And I think that's where we're going to unfortunately lose more talented girls. I can see it happening at the moment mm. and it's and it's a real shame. Caitlin, you're mm-hmm. moving up through the ranks from Kansas into Formula Ford now. Yep. You've just been overseas. Yes. Uh, you might want to tell us about that experience. I yeah, just got back from Germany a few weeks ago in which... Um, WAMS, Women Australian Motorsport, um, gave me the opportunity to go over and um, compete in the Scrocco R Cup, the Volkswagen Series, and it was um, 12 girls from around the world were all selected to go out there, and essentially um, uh, the best driver out of all of us would get a free drive in the Volkswagen Series in 2014 in Europe next year. So it was an amazing experience, and a lot of the girls were very very talented and it was really good to back myself up against that against them and see where I'm at on a, on a world playing field I suppose and um I, I gave them my all and I was really happy with how I went I was around fifth quickest uh, out of the 12 of us which I don't have you know any regrets about it all so it was really good and it was an amazing experience the cars over there were amazing. It was my first time on slicks, so um, that was an experience in itself. And um, I've learnt so much from it, just from the other girls. I was um, one of the youngest there, so a few of them were just that little bit ahead of me. So you'd learn so much from them because it's totally different overseas to Australia as well. There's many more different categories and opportunities over there that they can progress to instead of just the straight karting, Formula Ford you know, um, ways they have um, many different categories and it's really, really good to, to learn off them. When you hear a uh, cautionary tale like Leanne was just telling, do you think to yourself, I've got to watch for that pitfall? Because obviously if someone's offering you a drive, you're a racer, you want to take it immediately. And I, I would imagine, Leanne, it's safe to say that every time someone offered you a drive, you weren't thinking about, am I ready for it? You're just thinking about, yes, this is a drive. Yeah, that's right. But... Um <laughs> no, definitely. Um, Leanne's very experienced driver, and I honestly look up to her. So, with her advice, I'm going to take it because to get anywhere in motorsport, it's not going to happen overnight. And I need experience. I, I need that behind me to be successful. So, if I was offered a drive in DVS next year, I, I don't. I wouldn't be up to to doing that. I'm not ready yet. Um, I'm still young. I'm still 16. Got many years ahead of me, and I'm not planning to give up anytime soon. So, hopefully, the years play out, and eventually, I'll be on the main game somewhere. Obviously, you do have to have a career path. So, yeah. what is your timeline? for your eventual goal of yeah, supercars? Um, well, this year was all about experience for me, getting experience in an open-wheel car, Formula Ford. We are in an older car compared to the field, and I'm not in a team. It's just run by my family, which makes that a little bit more difficult, but um, we have a ball, we have a blast. So next year I'm doing my HSC, so we're going to do uh, selected rounds of the... Shannon's National Series in Formula Ford with the car that we have and um, you know just keep my racing up to date we want to try and get different test days in all different sorts of categories maybe a test day in a Formula 3 in the Kumo Series car and just decide which sort of path we want to undertake for 2015 because 
that's the year where we really want to knock it on the head and give it a really good shot. So whether that be Formula 3 or, or Kumo Series, which I think would be a really, really good series to, to learn and get the grasp of um, then to do DVS. So aiming for 2015 at the moment. Mm. Betty, everyone has certainly taken a lot of attention in you since you moved up to VAD Supercars, but you had a GT program before that, and that had been a, a very successful program. But since you've moved to VAD Supercars, you've also put in a lot of other grassroots and other pathways which probably don't get anywhere near as much attention as your three cars in the V8 field. Oh, no, it's, um, it's, a, it's sad, actually, because we start at karting and we go to F3, Ute, V8 Ute, my GTs, and uh, then the V8s. I mean, I still get it when someone says, oh, where's the owner? And they say, over there, and they just walk straight up to my husband. <laughs> and they put his, their hand out and he goes, well, I'm not the idiot. She is. Um, but there's one thing I do want to say, going back on being a woman driver, is that what I've heard, and this is what I've heard, when people have talked about owners, talked about why don't they ever have a woman, well, you know, she's going to get married, she's going to get pregnant, she's going to have the baby, and, you know, I can't, won't be able to rely on her to be there all the time. They have certain times of when they get angry at everyone, and I'm like, <laughs> and men don't? Yeah. It's, you know, they, they love to bring up an excuse against taking on women, but it's the younger ones that are going to have the more accessibility and the reason that I, that's why I put in the the lower categories but I don't have a girl there yet because not because I can't there's plenty of girls out there that have applied I haven't found one that I see is ready or good enough for that seat not that I've put in a male either but I've just not found a girl that there are certain drivers that sell their souls and some who won't and I'm looking for that girl who won't sell a soul I want to teach her how to do a contract. That's what, that's what the academy is about. It's about teaching them not to sell their souls and how to get them to read contracts and be able to say no mm-hmm. and not take the first thing that's thrown in their face and you know have to owe their salary for the next 55 years because mm. it's just not fair. They don't have anywhere to go to learn that. We have to take a break now on the V8 Insiders. Our chat will continue after these messages. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to our roundtable with a difference, where we spoke to Leanne Tander, Betty Clemenko, Philip Iguana, Caitlin Wood at the Sydney 500 last year. Marketing-wise, Philippa, is there opportunities there over a man? I think if you if you have a woman who can drive, who is smart, who is intelligent, who understands the sport, um, accepts the politics, um, there's and accepts that there's going to be a lot of hurdles. Um, I can't see why, from a marketing sponsorship perspective, that um, a woman can't succeed and can actually be a really great draw card for a team. Um, 
if I if I was a team owner like Betty, I would want to have a smart woman as a driver, someone who you can rely on for a brand that's not going to, uh, fo- you know, put eyes focusing on all that um, sexist stuff that we were talking about, grit girls and um, like her and all that sort of stuff in the past. And now know that there are some some girls who do race around Australia in various categories that use that sex appeal to try to draw the sponsors. Um, but I, if if we can focus our collective mentality mm. on um, doing it sensibly, doing it smart. There's no reason why a female can't be commercially successful if you go down that path. And um, I think if you ask any woman who's made a career out of this industry, whether it is in team ownership, in media, in officials, that's the mentality that we have, um, but not that we're asked about that. You know, everyone sort of goes <laughs> for the goes for the promo path, and you know that's all you know females are sort of um, uh, worth pretty much as far as that that commercial um, appeal but um, I, I think just, just getting the message out there and getting the support out there and encouraging girls like Caitlin here who, and I, just what Caitlin said before if she was offered a development series drive next year and for her to say no I won't take it because I'm not ready geez, we, exactly need to, right. we need to find more girls like that because exactly. um, you've just got to understand it's a very long path and you've got to do it smart uh, so the more that we can encourage and work together to, uh, to promote that part of the sport um, then there's no reason why we can't have um, a, a good, decent female driver who's good at driving, who is smart with business, and that's just what Betty was talking about, is educating her about all the aspects of, of motorsport. There's just not, has not been an avenue like that in the past because all eyes have been on the Lycra, you know, for the past exactly. how many decades. So it's Sadly, I mean, it's not just motorsport that faces this problem, but yeah. girls are yeah. judged on how we look. And if there was a really unattractive girl, but she was the most awesome driver, she would struggle to be accepted as... And that's where she has to be seen from a young age. If she's seen from a young age in the five and six doing very well and her parents are smart and they put it out there themselves to say, my daughter's won this and my daughter's won that, and the public see and the public grow up with her, it won't matter what she looks like because that will be their girl. And this is what I see a lot now in V8s. It's their boys, mm. their team. Mm. I've been with this team since I'm 10. If they see a young girl and grow up with her and her achievements, they're more likely to stand behind her because they've watched her grow up. Well, hopefully, but I still see all the girls out there marketing themselves as oh. attractive or, you know, whatever. You can't get it out there. And it just, <laughs> it just really bugs me. That I remember when I was young and there were a couple of women, older women, um, you know, it racing different categories and I was in Formula Ford and one of them got a lot of sponsorship um, because she was attractive and the other one was probably a better driver but refused to wear makeup at the track and you know she was just there to drive um, and and struggled to get the sponsorship and that's sadly that and that was well that's 20 years ago I don't see a lot has changed and that really depresses me. I know when I was racing karts Paula Savage and Paula Elstrick were two of the best drivers in the country at the time. Yep. And I, I think, I don't know if you would have raced against them. I think they're no. a bit too old for yeah. you, but you would have, you would have seen them yes. and you would have known about them yes. um, because they were the sort of trailblazers in carts. Yes. Neither of them were able to take that next step. I think it was easier for them back then because a woman in overalls was just taken as a woman in overalls. And that's how, well, I was around and I saw that. And for me, it was more like there was a neutrality to them and we've gave, we gave that up we, we gave up the neutrality to put them on the grid and to make them a, a, an object of the fans 
look at what V8s is. Mm. I think we need to go back to that old, you know, very even earlier than that to a point where women in the overalls were mechanics and everything like that and there was was no gender mm. you know barriers to break well for some of us we remember when kylie on neighbors did a mechanic apprenticeship and there was a spike yep. in females becoming mechanics and it's almost like you need that across a, a number of different areas relating to motorsport. Can I ask a question to mm-hmm. the panel, um, particularly Leanne? How did you see the, you know, from your perspective, the landscape change when Danica Patrick came out and started doing all the promo shoots <laughs> and wearing bikinis underneath her race suit for all those magazines and wearing the makeup, like you said? You being an, an Aussie girl who has succeeded extremely well in Australian motorsport, how did you see the landscape and the perception of you and your racing and what you were pressured to do to try to match what Danica was doing over in IndyCar? Well, to be honest, look, everybody's got a different, um, I guess, moral compass and she obviously wanted it really badly and, and she was prepared to do that. And to her, I'd say, good on you if that's what she wants to do. But it should not make Caitlin here feel pressured to have to do the same thing to succeed. If Caitlin chooses to do that, and I hope she doesn't, <laughs> she may, that's not going to happen. That's her choice. But I guess I, I actually got more annoyed at people just saying, oh, Danica's only there because she slept her way into the drive, or Danica's only there because she took her clothes off and, and posed for photos. She's beating the majority of people out there. Sure, she's not winning every race, but there's still usually 20, 25 guys behind her yep. in any given race. And... Whether you like the way she got there or not, she clearly has some talent and that's what we should be focused on as opposed to whether she poses in bikinis or not. A lot of sportswomen have. Um, I never felt any pressure to do that. I was asked when I was like 18 whether I'd pose for a calendar and I said no, that's my choice. Other women did. It didn't help them here and I don't think it actually is as big business here. And I don't. We have seen some girls use, try and use the model aspect to get ahead here doesn't seem to help. Um, I find most men like it when you you put yourselves like them and they come up and say, mate, that was great. Yeah. You're doing such a great job. And I get a lot of that from the males. You're doing a great job. They don't say because I'm a woman. They mm. just pat me on the back and go, but I'm, I'm in a position that I don't need to have a talent besides yeah. being a bit obnoxiously out there. <laughs> I think that there's a fine line because I think it's really important as, as a woman to maintain your femininity because we are women and there's no point just completely ignoring that and trying to act like a man. Um, so there's a fine line. You do you want to maintain that. So that's why, you know, the last few years especially because I've felt, you know what, I don't care about what anyone else thinks. I've had a bit of pink on my car or, or whatever. It's just, you know, I'm doing a little bit of the girly thing. But if you go too far, they're not going to um, respect you exactly. and take you seriously. They just think you're being girly and silly and not serious about it. So it's a fine line to tread. And like Betty says, that I think they appreciate it when they can just walk up and shake your hand, say, great race, you know, and, and talk about the race without feeling like um, I'm just trying to, I don't know, just sit there and bat my eyelashes and look all pretty and not break a nail. Try doing and... it with tattoos all over your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might help. But... Um, well, I was going to raise the point and it's another an American analogy that before Danica, you had Sarah Fisher. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Fisher was universally regarded as one of the best drivers to come up into the IndyCars and into that IndyCar series. And it was because she went out there in the quarter midgets, she went out there in the midgets and the sprint cars, and she did exactly what every other driver had done in the mm-hmm. past to get there. Yep. 
And I know when I spoke to the journalists over there, they were saying, um, Sarah Fisher will win a poll. Sarah Fisher will win a race. Now, unfortunately, she wasn't able to do that in her career. She did get a poll, but she wasn't able to win a race. But she was sort of the model, I think, that you are trying to say, that's what we need you women to be like. Yeah, absolutely. I think, to be honest, I don't have a problem with respect from my, um, my, I guess, my colleagues and my counterparts when I race now. And I think that's because I've done the same thing that they've all done. And I have gone through go-karts and Formula Ford and I've done production car racing and Formula 3 and, and I've done everything just like them. And, and I think that really helps, whereas the, the girls that sort of come out and say, well, hang on, I'm a girl, I deserve a place oh, God, in right. the V8 supercars because I'm a girl and I can drive... They're not going to have the respect. And that's why, yeah, it's great that Caitlin seems to have a great head on her shoulders and she's prepared to, you know, try and do it properly. And I think that's going to hold her in, in, in good stead. Of course, rivalries, particularly for the guys, having that rivalry through cards, through Formula Ford, Formula... What is it going to be? Formula 4 is the new one. Yeah, and, uh, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> and, and going up like that. So, uh, Caitlin, is mm-hmm. there a, another female driver that you've got your eyes on as your nemesis or rival? Not particularly, to be honest. In Formula 4 here this weekend, the only other female is Chelsea, and Chelsea's doing an excellent job. Um, and I honestly don't see her as, as, my, as my rival. We, um, If anything... We, we'd sort of work, work together and I think that that's better than, you know, I'm just trying to beat this female out here. I'm not trying to beat the males. Like, we are both racers on the racetrack and we're not male, we're not female when we're out there. So I just see us as, as friends, as colleagues, as, as racers. So. Mm. Well, Leanne, mm. who should we be aware of out there that is, is a good quality driver that is working their way up through the ranks? Yeah, well, like... Uh, Caitlin just mentioned we've got obviously Caitlin herself we've also got Chelsea Angelo who is racing Formula Ford she's done an awesome job this year she's set a lap record at Phillip Island and um, won a race at Sandown and we've also got Renee Gracie in the Carrera Cup and um, I think I'm not sure what Chelsea's doing I think she's looking at maybe doing development series next year and Renee I think is looking at doing another season of the Carrera Cup but all three girls are very talented and I think if they um, manage their career paths well, any of the three would be capable with with the right experience and, you know, in time, I'm not saying tomorrow, but any three I, I would see capable of running in the V8 supercars. And I really hope one of them gets there because I think this is the first time in a long time we've had, you know, at least three. And there are a lot of other girls actually in carts at 15, 16 mm-hmm. years old and they are so good. And it's all about getting those girls to make that next step. And I think this is the most we've ever had that at this level, there's always been like one good girl, or one or two, you know. But there's like we've got Taylor Dicker, who's won the Northern Territory and the WA State Championship in her class in karting, um, and you know there's others yeah, all Beck over Connell Australia. Connell in New South Wales, yeah, and a whole whole range of they're everywhere. And I just you know think now is the time. One of these girls is, is going to break through. I hope. Mm. Philippa, obviously. We go to uh, the, the combined district meeting, which is now what in its fourth or fifth year. Mm, oh, I was getting up to six or seven Seven. now. Yeah, I've I've done that event for about five years. I think it's um it's a great uh, all ladies carning day uh, on the Australia Day long weekend up at Lithgow. Now and you're getting entries up there of five six hundred carters, female carters, at that event. It's 
it's really encouraging to see all the girls together and you've got um it's so cute seeing six and seven year olds out there competing and then you've got the mums out there in the canteen yeah. cup and everyone is encouraging together it's the only all-female karting event like that in the country and i'm glad that there's no clashes with the aka in 2014 so we can encourage more women to be a part of it but um yeah that, that's where i was talking before about trying to educate those girls and support those girls at something like that event and I know that they would be disheartened once they get to like the the mid-teens and they make a decision do I become a career woman or do I really give this this racing thing a go and then how do I juggle that and and a job and hopefully through you know more awareness of um of the girls who are succeeding just like Leanne has mentioned um and promoting those great success stories through WAMS that we can get the word out that um, there is, you know, great paths ahead, um, just like Caitlin is, is being able to progress up. And, uh, but, yeah, it's really encouraging to see, you know, so many girls competing against each other and pushing themselves. But um, And I'm also glad, too, to be honest, that there are no female championships and male championships in motor racing yeah. in this country because just like Caitlin was saying, yes, there might be one or two other girls that she might compete against in the junior categories. She's not out there looking to beat the other girl. She's looking to beat the other 14 blokes that she's competing against. And, and that's what makes it so much more um, satisfying when you do win, when you get the trophy, when you can beat mm-hmm. all of the drivers because they are just the drivers. So to start with, it's great to have an all-ladies karting event like that just so once a year we can get together and encourage and pat on the back and go forward and share stories and you know and mentor and and um and that was what we were talking about before with whams is getting like the networking opportunity is um incredible at that particular level at karting but then we also need to keep patting them on the back and say right off you go into the big bad world against the boys and you can do it and that's i think the the most important message to come out of a, an event like that karting well, meeting at least as well I spent an hour yelling at, not that it's, this is something I do quite often, but it's the little things, like we were in um, the Gold Coast. You walked out the back of the garages and there was a gent's toilet. There was a woman's toilet right behind it, but they hadn't plumbed it. So my mechanic, Janelle, all the men mechanics could run straight there and straight back, took them, I don't know, three and a half minutes Janelle would have had to gone all the way down the path, through the gates, out into the public area to go to the bathroom. Now, this is a girl who works in the pit lane. And has done and for does, five years. And she time. works on pit lane. So she would, it would take her seven, eight minutes to go to the bathroom. I know it sounds like a small thing, but I went and got a piece of tape, put her across the word gents and put unisex. Mm-hmm. Went in there and put on one of the store's ladies. Because I said, it's not fair that your mechanic can run out there in mm-hmm. two minutes. My girl needs... 10 minutes, literally, to go to the bathroom. The next morning, the women's toilet behind was plumbed. But it's sad that I've need, I need to go there and bash them down over a toilet. Mm. If you weren't there, like, Janelle's not likely to have gone no, up and made she a fuss have. about it. Because, again, in that situation, you don't make a fuss, you just get on with it. Because otherwise everyone's like, oh, they want special treatment because they're a girl. And, yeah, and like you, a toilet. <laughs> but you do need you do need. First people. time I was yeah. there, yeah. the first race that I was there, I went out the back. Gents, 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 gents. And the whole line was gents. Mm. And I went up to the guy from V8 and I said, do you see anything wrong here? And he's going, no. And I went, and where do I go to the bathroom? And he goes, oh, "Oh, we forgot about that. I said, but how can you forget about the girls that work in the teams? How can you forget about the... All the... There are women here. And he goes, well, they usually just go down there. And I said, well, they're not from now on. 
and you just take you need someone to go in there and just punch them in the nose every so often and say think just think before you act that's my job. And that's, yeah. another, that's another one of the positivities about having that network because um, just like Betty's got the issue with the bathrooms, there might be other issues with travelling or hotels. Or, exactly. But it's just changing that mentality and talking with the travel girls and say, okay, well, then there's 20 girls travelling in pit lane and all the teams will all get together and we'll exactly. share services and things like that. So I don't think until you've actually been in those circumstances and travelled you know, in this environment that you start seeing the little small things. They make that, it that much easier if they, they were just do. done. Yeah, you know, at least where you do have ladies' toilets here. I went to race in um, Teratonga in New Zealand, and there were no ladies' toilets. In the whole complex? <laughs> there was one in, like, the canteen for the ladies who work in the office and in the canteen. So that's when you get your race tape out. So uh, <laughs> I, had to, I had to use the gents. Because, you yeah. just changed the name of the gents. You put the word ladies up. But I wasn't even the only girl racing. I know. And nobody still... And this was only, this was only a few years ago. Mm. So I was like, wow. Well... I need to wrap it up, but I can be very cheeky here because evidently Betty's got a seat. Now, are you in any way, shape or form interested in driving for Betty? Of course. I'm interested in driving. I'm at a point in my career, I'm like, I can take any seat. I can any drive and you know what? Whatever happens, happens. But, yeah, maybe I'm hoping you get back into it. All right. Well, thank you very much, Caitlin Wood. Leanne Tander, Philip Iguana and Betty Clemenka for Thank joining you. us on the show. Thank you. The white flag lap is up next on the V8 Insiders, where Brad Jones looks at how his small team can continue to stay at the top of V8 supercars. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Munro Shock Absorbers White Flag Lab, we catch up with Brad Jones following the Sydney 500, and I asked him now that the new generation car has brought the field together, how can the smaller teams that have been taking wins keep their cars at the front of the field? Well, I think we've been in front of them a fair bit, so, um, um, you know, it's just a bit more consistency, to tell you the truth. I mean, we started off with a lot of pace, you know, Eclipse was a terrible meeting for us, and... Um, you know, with Fabian, we probably dropped you know, 200 and, you know, 250 or 280 points there. And uh, if you add that to where he is, you know, you probably don't have to change much else in the year and we're in the race for the championship. So, um, um, you know, I just think we probably need a little bit more consistency. Um, we work pretty hard to get to where we are. And, um, you know, we're certainly, compared to the people we're racing against, on much, much smaller budget. But, um, you know, we've got a great group of blokes that put their heart and soul into the place and we've got fantastic drivers and we, we have a, a, you know, a, a really good culture at our team. So I think all those things keep us in there and they're the things that, that hopefully will help us, you know, get to the next step. Is three cars still the model you think is best for Brad Jones Racing or is there advantages to trying to go to a fourth and getting all that data as well? No, I don't think so much that the data helps you that much. I think, you know, the three-car model is not fantastic because you need a truck and, and you know, 
you don't need that many more blokes to run another car. So, um, but you do need a wreck and you need enough sponsorship, and you know that's just not a position we're in at the moment. So, so um, um, you know we're, we're running three cars next year. With the uh, talk that the grid might have to go down to 26, is that a concern to you, or is that something that it's one of those things that may have to happen? No, I think it's good. You know, we'll all get a little bit more money. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think 28, 26, 24, I don't think it makes any difference to you. Unless you've got a contract that has a number on it. Ah, oh, yeah, well, I'm not talking about that really. I'm talking about in terms of the racing, I don't think, you know, depending who drops off, but, you know, if we lose two or three, I don't, I don't see that as a big issue. You know, contracts are a different thing. You've got to meet, you know, if you've got a contract that has a number on it, then you need to meet it. Now, that could be a problem, but, but to my knowledge, I'd, you know, I don't know that it will be a problem. We'll see. It was a hectic start to 2013, getting new generation cars ready. Do you get to give the boys a bit of a holiday now before the start of 2014? Absolutely. You know, the majority of the guys at our place have worked, you know, 24 hours. Uh, sorry, not 24, you know, 24 months. Um, and crazy hours, so uh, it'll be fantastic to for everyone to be able to have you know close to a month off, recharge your batteries. You know we come away from this race meeting knowing that our, our you know our, our our toys are pretty fast. You know our cars are competitive. Um, you know we we you know strategy. You know pit stops. You know we're as good as anyone, and um, you know just try and make sure that next year we. Uh, we get through Clipsal and, and have a decent point, points haul and, and get on with the job. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be hard. I think Nissan will step up. Erebus are going to work hard. and, and um, you know, but, but for us, the job is going to be to, to be able to run in that front group and, um, and continue on doing what we're doing. Brad, hope you have a great Christmas and look forward to seeing you in the new year. Thanks very much. I'll certainly have a bit of a break and uh, can't wait to get back into it. And hopefully we can get through Clipsal and, and be in the championship race for the whole year. My thanks to Brad Jones there. Also to Leanne Tander, Betty Flamenco, Philip Iguana and Caitlin Wood. I hope you enjoyed the uh, few specials we've had for you over the last few weeks. We go back to uh, our more regular format starting next week on the show. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.